0: Holiday House Books for Young Readers, Peachtree Publishing Company, and Pixel and Inc. present Landis Blair, author of The Night Tent, and Tom Gauld, author of The Little Wooden Robot and the Log Princess, in conversation with Trade Marketing Manager, Alison Tarnofsky. Hello,
1: this is Alison Tarnofsky, and I'm the Trade Marketing Manager at Holiday House, Peachtree, and Pixel and Inc. Watson is having trouble sleeping. He lies awake at night. Doing his best not to think about the lurking, creeping things that might be hiding in his closet or under his bed. But the more he tries, the harder it gets. Then he notices a mysterious light coming from under his covers. When he takes a peek, he discovers a beautiful, tented night sky full of twinkling stars. Because he isn't sleeping, he follows a path that the stars show him. It leads him through a forest. And onto an adventure that includes friendly creatures and a magical trolley ride to a tiny island with a very tall tower. And finally sleep. Welcome to the night tent. Now, let's go to another magical world where a king and queen long for a child. One day, their wish is twice granted with a little wooden robot and an enchanted princess. The two siblings are inseparable and loved by their parents. There's just one catch. Every night, when the princess falls asleep, she transforms into a log. She can only be awoken with magic words. Everything is fine until one day, princess is mistaken by an ordinary log and sent off far away. Now it's up to her brother to rescue her. A thrilling adventure ensues in the little wooden robot and the log princess. Today for the guest book podcast, authors Landis Blair and Tom Galt Join me to discuss their picture books, The Night Tent, and The Little Wooden Robot, and The Log Princess. Landis Blair is the author and illustrator of The Envious Siblings and Other Morbid Nursery Rhymes, as well as the illustrator of the New York Times bestseller, From Here to Eternity, by Caitlin Doughty, and the graphic novel, The Hunting Accident, by David Carlson. The Night Tent is his debut picture book. Landis joins us from his home in Chicago. Hello, Landis.
0: Hello, thanks for having me.
1: We're glad you're here. Tom Galt is an Eisner Award-winning cartoonist. His work is regularly published in The Guardian and New Scientist. He created the graphic novels, Goliath and the Moon Cop*, and has drawn 10 covers for The New Yorker. The Little Wooden Robot and the Loud Princess is his first picture book for children and was named a New York Times New York Public Library Best Illustrated Book of the Year, among many other accolades. Tom joins us from his studio in London. Welcome. Hello.
2: Tom. Hi. Hi. It's nice to be here. Thank you.
1: All right. So I'm just going to jump right in here. So it's quite interesting that both of your backgrounds are in illustrating for adults, um, and you both have these debut picture books for children. So I'm I'm very curious what what made you each switch gears and want to create um, a book for children. Let's let's start with Tom for this one.
2: Well, I mean, I've just loved drawing uh since I was a kid and I loved telling stories with pictures and I always have. And I guess the two main places you can tell stories with pictures are comic books and children's books. And I've always wanted to do a kids book, but I started in the world of comics and that's what I was that's what I was working in for years. And then I had two children of my own and went through that kind of, almost like a kind of boot camp of, of learning about children's books, where you're reading two, three bedtime stories almost every night of the week. So that kind of rekindled my interest in, in picture books. And I thought I really have to get one done while my kids are um, young enough to enjoy it although i was i was very slow so they were young enough to enjoy it the first time i talked about it but by the time it came out they were more like uh preteen critics who helped me make it but um that was helpful as well in its own way so that was that was why i i did it it was for them really and um oh, and, and and mainly for me but for them too
1: did your kids um end up being happy with uh, the finished product all those years later
2: <laughs> Yeah well that was that was the really nice thing um for me was working with them I'd I'd take it home and I'd read it out loud and my wife would read it out loud so I could hear what it sounded like and the kids offered their suggestions and we we kind of all worked on it like a like a family project. Um, so that was nice although in the end it's my, it's my, it's my name on the book. So they all get a thank you in there, but um, it was a, there was a bit of team effort going on.
1: Oh, understood. Um, and Landis, this is, I'm I'm very interested to hear what you have to say about this because uh, a lot of your previous work is, is quite dark. And um, so <laughs> it really is quite a shift for you to, to write a, a children's book. So how did that all come about? Where did, where did that start?
0: Uh, well, well, I mean, similar to what Tom was saying, you—you know—I was drawing uh, as long, long as I can remember. But you know, picture books were uh, were such a big, um, you know, part of my my childhood. I mean, and in, in, in even older than that. And uh, but I think, as far as the transition from darker things to uh, children's books, I mean, it, when when I look back at you know the the children's books um, or um, Books for children depending on how you want to uh phrase that, that the ones that stick out to me uh had a lot of darkness in them and i, and I think um i think adults frequently uh, shy away from darkness wh- related when they're talking to children more from their own fears than uh then from realizing that children can handle more than they give them credit for but i mean so you know for just for my myself, you know, looking back and, you know, I love Shell Silverstein and um and even I mean a bunch of um Sendak's work, um but but even uh, when I when I look back at stuff like um Richard Scary, which maybe seems uh, I mean I, the it took me itself was much older to realize the name didn't it was spelled different from <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, but there there's something um, that, that I, I love his work but there's there's a kind of an unsettling quality about it because uh, it's this this strange um, uh, I, I I've not even kind of pinpointed why it's unsettling but if I, maybe it's just the different animals interacting but um, all, all that's being said. Like, I, I think that there's darkness in uh, I mean it's, it's it's all around us and kids see it and kids are. Scared of it, and so I think, um, from my mind, that it's a natural transition. So,
1: right, I think I agree with you. I think those scary books, Richard's scary books, they're a little they're chaotic. So it's like, yeah, that's like you know, you want to kind of try to (laughs) make sense of this these crazy world. He's you know, he's yeah. Um,
2: I definitely, I definitely felt it was, um, it was kind of fun figuring out how to do a children's book as somebody who'd already kind of learned a lot about storytelling. And, and I kind of had a visual style, which I knew yeah. could be made to work for children's books, but I, I, I knew I'd have to tweak it in certain ways. So I think I can kind of see that in Landis's books as, book as well. It's, it's very like your other work, but mm. the, it's got that little tweak. So it's not the... Yeah, kind of real macabre darkness of the other work, but it's it's still got that there, but in a kind of warm, um, gentler way, which you know is is nobody's going to read a terrifying bedtime story, so (laughs) it needs needs that little twist, and it's an interesting thing to to look for. I don't know if you find that Landis,
0: yeah, and I um, I I think that's I, I always like seeing. I mean. With, with um with your picture book and comparing it with adult your, your more adult work i mean it, in my mind they're 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 part of that same world and that it's um and yeah maybe it's you're you're not looking at the the darkest or the most cynical a- aspects of it as you, <laughs> so many of your, your comics doing it so perfectly but um i i feel like it's still um uh, the the best parts of your work are still evident in the children's book, and uh, and the humor and the depth comes through. So,
2: oh, that's nice. Yeah, I was really I was hoping that it wouldn't feel like oh he's he's started again from scratch. Hopefully, no, uh, no the the um the 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 things that I like that I enjoy about my work are are there. So I guess
0: hopefully everyone else sees that. Yeah, I, I mean, the, oh. The, oh. sorry. <laughs>
1: No, yeah, go
0: ahead. Go ahead. Uh, well, especially, I mean, I, I love your the maps that you have in your book. Or when you, you zoom out and you see the the landscape, and I think it's kind of interesting that uh, so many of your comments. When you had, I love how you depict the. You have kind of your little pictographs that you use for uh, for adults or humans when you are showing large uh, <laughs> large scenes. And so, in my mind, kind of in the picture book, it's almost like when you see those landscapes and you see all these little people in the background. It's almost like, oh, that see, that's the real world in you know in Tom's comics, you know, but we're just following these two little characters. But uh.
2: yeah, well, I, 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 yeah, yeah, no, that's nice to hear. Thank you.
1: Well, let let's talk a little bit about both of your styles of art and the technique to use um, for these two books. I mean, another you know very interesting coincidence with the two of you is that you both. Book- use quite a bit of cross hatching in these books. Um I mean if one were to look, you know, very closely at these books, you would wonder, oh my gosh, gosh, who 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 can sit and how long did this take to do? It's just mind-boggling. It's amazing. I wish um everybody out there can see the detail um in the cross hatching in this. And I'm I'm curious, um Tom, if you want to start us off um, you know, And it's not all cross-hatching, and there's different styles of cross-hatching. So if you could talk a little bit about what that is and how you employed it and why you chose that, I think um, our Hmm. listeners would really like to hear that.
2: Yeah, I mean, cross-hatching is just using lots of lines built up in layers to kind of describe light and dark. And I've always drawn with cross-hatching uh, well as a as a teenager and as an adult and i think it's for me it's because i guess all my work comes from doodling in my sketchbook and what's amazing about cross hatching is with the simple pen the exact pen you'd use to write a grocery list through careful um building up of these lines you can make very atmospheric and warm and uh, you can make all sorts of things happen with the pen and all my work kind of grows out of a kind of sketchbook doodling so for me cross hatching is the is the best way in that simple way to make out of these simple lines a more complex world so i've always enjoyed that kind of magic of 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 making a white piece of paper into a picture of something and um a big inspiration for my work who I, i'm sure is in an inspiration for Landis as well, is an American artist called Edward Goury, whose work I discovered when I was at art school. And he was a huge influence. I I made some real rip-offs of his work while I was at art school, but I kind of moved on from that. But one of the things I, or moved on from completely ripping him off anyway, um, I, <laughs> I, um, I kept was the cross-hatching. And he has a wonderful sort of natural cross-hatching which doesn't feel like the almost technical drawing of some people it feels like warm wood or like a woodcut or something and um, I've always been influenced by him and I'm sure Landis has as well in fact I noticed in your book Landis on the wall of the little boy's bedroom there's a tiny little picture which is the cover of one of Edward Gorey's. Books. Yes, so you I, I it. know. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure you're going to say that your that he's part of your world too. But I was. I just like a nerd. I wanted to point out that I'd spotted. That. Yeah. I... <laughs> <laughs>
1: but well, but... I think that's a good segue to having Landis answer the same question about the cross-hatching. But before you do that, I just want to point out because Tommy mentioned like something about wood, and it made me think of the trees. And you both have these amazing trees mm. in your in your books and like the tree trunk. And I mean, I would think this kind of, you know, s- style is lends itself so well to trees. And I mean, they're just, they're just gorgeous, but I, 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 just find it so interesting that, you know, they look so different, but you know, the technique is so similar. Um, and it just really, it's really amazing. But um, Landis, yeah. What, 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 uh what are your thoughts on what, what Tom just said? And where did this <laughs> come from for you?
0: Um, well, it also, I mean, Edward Gorey is, I mean, I, I tell most people he's my hero, but that, um, but I came to cross hatching, I guess you could say, uh, I mean, not late, but um, it wasn't until kind of near the end of college that I really started pursuing it. And even then, it wasn't until a couple of years after that I kind of fully devoted myself to it. But it, it really stemmed out of falling in love with Edward Gorey's work and and also <laughs> me doing my own um uh, edward gory ripoffs uh, yeah and you know like trying to find my own you know voice w- you know while embodying him to some extent but um but i i suppose what what draws me to it or what, I, what i'm attracted to about it i mean it, it at least for me it's twofold i mean on a i mean maybe the better answer is that i, I mean i it To me, the the, there's a timelessness to it that just because it it does invoke um, printmaking, and and so I always appreciate seeing crosshatching because you you can't uh, it's a little bit hard to place. I mean, even if it's you can figure it out, it's I think uh, subconsciously it it bridges time a lot better than um, some other media's, but um, but on a, a I guess the more the more honest answer for myself though is it's a way for me to deal with anxiety with drawing. In that I don't I have a hard time um, seeing my drawings be of of value, and so in my mind when I I, I, uh, I feel like I can cross up uh, you know cover up the mistakes by cross hatching, and and so that when somebody looks at the drawing, uh, I tell myself even if they can see the faults in the drawing, at least they can respect the amount of time you know, that I spent. <laughs> in uh in doing it so um that's kind of that's the more obsessive side of it I think so
2: I I find cross-hatching quite quite a calming thing to do actually I've sort of once I've worked out the the drawing which I always find is the hard part I can actually sit and listen to a podcast or or um sometimes in the evening I can just have a beer and do some nice nice simple cross-hatching um and it's I think it's one of those things which it looks like it takes a long time, which it does, but I don't think it takes quite as long as everyone imagines. So it's almost like a magic trick where (laughs) people imagine you've spent a thousand years on it and you've spent ages, but maybe not quite that long. And um, it's always nice to be um, over, um, to have the work over it. People imagine it's harder than it is. Yeah. Uh, not to say it's easy, and and there are terrifying moments when you you think you might have gone too far, and and you can't you you. That's the thing with crosshatching; you can always ma- add more, but you can't take any away. Yeah. So, um, it's it's that that sort of frightening moment when you think you've you've you've, you've kind of messed up hours of work with one too many layers.
0: Well, um, I mean, I I have a question for you, Tom, though, about your because your your hatching technique is. Uh, is unique I mean that I can I can always tell when it's your your line because you're hatching you've got this really great um uh, I don't know if we almost call it a hesitation in the stroke that I don't know where you have uh with your line and then you'll have a couple dots and then a line where it's it it gives a, a subtlety to the hatching um mm. that it, uh, I that is I mean it's not that I've never seen that but I I I think of you when I see that kind of line and it's I know how hard that is on the hand, like as far as um, the, to interrupt the flow to do it as precisely as you're doing it. So I'm wondering, um, is that something that you just developed naturally over or was that something you were trying to mimic from um, other artists that you admired?
2: No, no, I suppose, I suppose the thing with cross-hatching is you, you. what I was trying to find was a way to make it sl- a really pale line. Like the, the difficulty, yeah. it's, it's easy to get darker and darker, but there was kind of pale where you just want a bit of texture but not too much weight. You, I kind of get a little bit bumpy and just touch the touch the paper occasionally on the line. Yeah. Um, and that, especially with coloured work, I find kind of works. Like Like this book, when I did, when I said I was doing a kids' book, my daughter, my younger daughter Iris, said, Well, it can't be in your usual dingy colors because kids won't <laughs> like those. And um, she's right, my natural palette is quite restrained. And I wanted in this book to, I knew it would have color behind the cross hatching and I wanted it to feel like my work, but I knew it had to be a bit more colorful and a bit warmer than my natural. Inclination. So mm. every page of this book I took home and sat in front of with the family, and they pointed at the colors and said, You need to make that one brighter and that <laughs> one brighter. And because the cross hatching is on top, it does have an effect of graying things a little. So I had to go way out of my comfort zone to get something which, mm. in the end, I, I'm really happy with. I don't know how you found coloring your book.
0: Uh, d- difficult. I mean, that's the same. I went through that same process of I had to the first few pages i had to redo and redo and had to keep brightening them and brightening them and then Mm. at the end i had to go through again on every page and brighten everything because it was still uh, getting lost with the hatching so
2: right yeah i had a funny i had a conversation when my book came out with another um holiday house artist stephen savage who did a lovely book called um Moonlight,
1: Moonlight, which
2: yeah. um, oh, I get, similar. like Howard Books, has that idea of trying to capture nighttime. but actually you realise if you, if you make it too dark, it just becomes dingy and grey. Yeah. And Stephen's book actually is, is very light blues, generally, or blues anyway, all, very little black, but it feels like night. And mm. I guess all three of us have written, I, I would say, a specific type of book, a sort of bed a very much a bedtime story, which is for reading at bedtime and about bedtimes mm. um, and and for, we've all got a slightly similar bluey green palette there, which is obviously our um idea of of bedtime colors
0: yeah
1: yeah, that's really interesting. We actually have a few other uh nighttime bedtime books. And um, each one has a completely different palette and a completely different tone and feel, but yet they're all about night and just you know your interpretation of it. Um, So I wanted to talk a little bit about your process um, between the the writing of the text and the illustrations. Um, Tom, you mentioned that a lot of your work stems from doodles that you make in sketchbooks and you've talked a bit already about where the story came about, but when you actually went to make the book, do you did you write and draw at the same time? Did you lay down the text first, did you draw and then do the text over it? Like how did you marry those two worlds of the text with the with the art?
2: Well, well with comics, you you can't really do one without the other and you need to make them both together. You 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 can't just write as well I can't write a script and then turn it into a comic. For me, I'm thinking of everything at once, and it's actually quite a frustrating way to work, which is difficult. But with this book, I, I thought, well, I'm going to try the other technique. I'm going to write this story as well as I can in text, and then I'm going to figure out how to illustrate it myself, as if I almost as if I'm two separate people, the, the writer and the illustrator. But I also... Knew the sort of things I wanted to have in this book, like maps and almost diagrams and things. So I wrote a story which played to my strengths and kind of didn't make me draw any of the things I can't draw. So I was, I was, I was a very generous writer for myself. But I, I haven't done that before, and it was, re- it was really fun r- spending a while just writing the words and working on that, and then figuring out how to, um, how to turn those into a picture book. Um, and it was a really fun new experience for me.
1: You do have, um, you know, a lot of panels like in in comic books. So yeah, I guess you mm. gave them yourself, so you can, you know, do a little bit. You I, d-
2: I didn't even think of it that much like that, but I just think comic storytelling is so in my mm-hmm. um, ID in my idea of what books are like that it's they just kind of even when I didn't intend it to be in there, it's it's ended up sort of feeding through in some in some way.
1: Yeah, well you can get a lot a lot more into it. So here, you know, you have a whole spread with the landscape, but then you have all these, you know, different ideas that you can kind of get and in, get into one page so you can you can tell a tell more of the story um and the flow of it make, makes it really, you know, really fun to read I think for for kids. Um mm. what about you? Um what the way you wrote this, did you draw it first and then did you come up with the story? Did you do it in a similar way that that Tom just spoke about? How did that come about for you when you went to actually make the book after you figured out your story and what it'll look like? How did it how did it come together?
0: Uh yeah, quite quite similarly to to uh, what Tom just described. Because with a number of my um, with, with other projects I've done or uh, or smaller comics or independent things that I've done, it's it's a much more of a combination of, of doodles mixed with writing. And, and yes, I will at some point do a, um, a pass of writing the text, but usually at that point I visually have, um, something keyed in that I I'm, um, that I can really kind of hold in my head while I'm writing the text. But, uh, with this, uh, with this picture book, it was, uh, I mean, I had, I had the idea and then it was, um, I mean, it, it was going through, you know, variations of writing out the text, but then it, it at some point, just because of the, the editing process, as well as trying to figure out what the, I mean, tr- trying to even show the book to holiday house. Um, yeah, I had to figure out something of the visual style. And so you, given that I hadn't, I've, I've rarely worked in color before. That was the, that was the bigger challenge of trying to figure out what, um, yeah, to do a few, te- I, I did a few test illustrations to try to figure out what that would look like with the story. But once I had those examples, that definitely influenced the writing. Um, and, and I appreciated what, what Tom said, because I definitely do that too, that I, I try to write around my, uh, <laughs> my deficiencies. And so if, uh, you know, if, if there's, you know, e- even if story wise, maybe a raging sea would be, uh, appropriate. Um, I think, well, why, why don't, I you make it a calm plastic. You know, like I, I feel-
2: <laughs> easier to cross hatch a flat. Exactly. Soon, yeah. I, the thing I really liked about your book, I mean, I, I thought the story was was lovely. But um, you it it the thing I realised about kids' books is that the parent generally will be reading the story, and the kid will, I think, for the age we're writing for, will be generally looking at the pictures and listening to the story. And one of the things you're trying to do is is give them visual interest while the parent is um is, is speaking the words and one of the things I, I loved all the details in your book and i loved the way i could imagine just kind of following those paths mm-hmm. with the kid following it with their finger because there's a lot of places where there's a that's kind of the path he's following wriggles all around the page and i, I thought that was a really nice I can I could just imagine, especially me as a kid, kind of enjoying following that and thinking, what would it be like to be there on the path or, or, you know, really imagining more than almost more than is there in the writing because of because Mm. of the pictures.
1: Yeah, I I, I agree. You can you definitely get lost in the images. And in fact, um, you know, I was looking at this book in two ways. I actually when I look at it and the story, you really almost don't even need the words sometimes because you know mm. and I love the I love the pages without words because it really gives the kid or the adult time to pause and really just explore it and like let it let the story story breathe. so I that's one of you know one of the things I love about I love about this book um so so Landa how we Tom talked a little bit about how he, he came up with the story and how he read it, you know, was trying to come up with something for his kids, but how did, how did you come up with this story? Is this personal for you? Did you, were you afraid of the dark when you were a kid? Where did, where did this uh, idea come from?
0: Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm still afraid of the dark. I <laughs> mean, uh, But yeah, definitely as a child, uh, at least when I was trying to come up with ideas for a picture book and i was trying to think of uh of problems i could remember as a child or trying to put myself back in that space um it it, it was i mean I, I know there's so many books about uh children going to sleep and monsters under the bed but um it, it very quickly you know, it, i i have distinct memories of you know, it seemed just feeling like lying awake for hours. It probably wasn't that long, but I I was very scared uh, frequently and it would be calling my parents. And it was something that um, I I had distinct memories of trying to do anything I could to distract myself from what I was afraid of and usually unsuccessfully. But um, as I think any kid does, you you going under the covers, but I mean, not, not from fear, but kind of more out of boredom or entertainment, like trying to, um, and, and so that I mean that's essentially where the book came from was a mat- suddenly thinking about oh that's a tent that you're going under and then um, it, so it wasn't there wasn't a uh, full story but it was more kind of remembering those moments of uh, trying to almost keep the the anxiety at bay by um by, by cr- creating a world for yourself um, with the the tools you have at hand because if you're con- confined to bed um, you, you you have to <laughs> create your own, or t- at least it, it, with my parents. You I wasn't, you know, allowed allowed to read, or or I again, mean, aside from having your stuffed animals and um, the the blanket was the the number one prop. So
1: yeah, and Tom, you as I mentioned, you know, you you talked um, about the idea where it came from with your kids, but I read something. Where you specifically said one of your kids slept like a log—is that where the actual idea came, <laughs> or what?
2: Yeah, is, no, no, that's right. The, the, um, I... know, we just
1: have to talk about the unusual title, and you know, it's one thing to have an idea for a story, but really, what, where did that come from?
2: Well, I was, I was casting around for years for an idea for a kids' book and couldn't come up with anything that worked, and then this story just happened on the spur of the moment when I was making up a bedtime story for my daughters when they were really quite small and the younger one Iris da- did then and now she's 15 and she still sleeps like a log and I have to wake her up for school every morning and quite often wake her up go down make breakfast go up wake her a second time She <laughs> she has always slept like a log and I made up this story for them the, the original version was about two princesses because they they both like were into princesses at the time, um, but it was the same basic idea that the the, the smaller princess um, in the story turned into a log, and the first time I told it, they liked it, and I told it again with a few changes, and they liked it more. And then I just wrote it down in the notes app on my phone. And every now and then I'd take another look at it and see, see if I thought I could change it or make it better. And going back to what Landis is saying about um, avoiding drawing the things you don't like and, and drawing playing to your strengths, I'm, I'm better at drawing robots than people. And I thought I can manage <laughs> one princess, but two princesses is, is, is too much. And I thought a wooden robot would be a fun thing. Tit- and that, that kind of gave me this silly <laughs> over-the-top title um, overly complicated title, which is a bit like a, a sort of classic Grimm's title, but with a robot in it because I like robots. So yeah, it, it sort of went from there. And and so I, I I I wish I could come up with more books by just being forced to to immediately imagine them and make them up as I go along because it was the quickest beginning of any story I've ever written, and it's a I, I recommend it as a technique for inventing stories.
1: Well, a lot of um, you know a lot of what was written about the book kind of called it like a, a modern modern fairy tale. How do you, how do you feel mm. about that uh, being you know a, fair, a fairy tale writer? Is that something you do you agree with that? What or didn't, yeah, what is that? What does that mean to you?
2: No, I mean I, I love it. I was so happy um, that people got that, and there's lots of references in the book too. I really sort of. Stole all my favorite things from fairy tales. Lost children getting lost in the forest, castles, all those elements. But it was always thinking how to use them in a new way, how not to fall back on some of the less pleasant stereotypes which are in those fairy tales from 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 the times they were made up, and to to give the female character as much um, to do and as much action as the as the robot. And so it was, it was, it was really fun. I read, I read the all the Grimm's tit fits fairy tales, what as uh, sort of preparation. And, and I think some of that language went in there. So yeah, it was a fun, a fun world to play in.
1: Well, I just wanted to ask uh, a couple more questions before we wrap up. I'm just curious what you guys are both um, what you're working on now um, or what, what, what projects are next for you, Landis? You have another children's book in you?
0: Uh, right now, I'm working on a book for a French publisher. That's a silent, 25-page story, um, or in, in black and white. And so that's kind of um, it's fun to get. I mean, it's not a it's not a children's book, but it's. I mean, again, I think children could could read it. And there's there's a lot of whimsy in it, and it's uh, exciting to delve into a, a a different project. So,
2: is that what's on the wall behind you? That we? Can oh yeah, yeah. So this is.
0: Yeah, this is the cover. We just finished the cover up, Um, so they're they're going to be announcing it soon. But it's uh, it's about an old old man uh, who goes off into the snow, and he um, he he creates a little runway in the snow with stamping footprints in, and then he lands a bunch of birds. um, And then uh, I I won't tell the rest of it from there. But it's oh,
2: I've been I've been it's it's very far away, so I can't make them out. But they they look very intriguing behind you there. Okay, well, thank you.
1: What about you Tom, what are you working on?
2: Well, since since my kids book came out, um I've I've done a collection of my my weekly cartoons about literature for the Guardian. So I've mainly been creating and promoting that until about now and and now I'm just um winding up and getting ready to try and start on a new graphic novel for um adults. And then after that, a new book for children. But I haven't actually managed to get started on either. I keep trying to clear the decks, but then other things fall onto the decks and need to be swept away. But as soon as we're done today, I'm going to kind of carry on the task of, of getting started.
1: Well, I, I promise I won't keep you that much longer, so you can get back to uh, work <laughs> That's there. Right. Um, I just <laughs> wanted to ask one more question: like, what what do you guys think, or what do you hope that kids and their you know their caretakers take away from um you know reading these reading these stories is there something you you hope that they take away from it a lot of um you know people have trouble trouble answering this one what do you guys what do you guys have to say about that landis
0: uh yeah i mean i i i I, i'm wary of any any book that uh, has a goal or an objective for and so I, i guess first and foremost that I just hope it's entertaining for children. But I mean, if uh, if I had to say something, I guess I hope it, it's uh, that children have um, re- realized that there there are things you can do to alleviate anxiety. But I, I honestly hope that that's not what they're thinking about when they're reading books. book. So.
1: <laughs> I hear you. What about you, Tom?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think that
2: idea of, of um, overly having a, a meaning or a moral for a book can be kind of, uh, depressing um to, if if it's if it's not done beautifully. And I, I certainly didn't write my book that, that way around. Um, I mean, I, I, I guess it's kind of going back to something I already said, but just that I I love that idea that there's this very special moment where the child the tired child is is going to bed and the parent takes or the parent or carer takes some time or any adult takes some time to to read them a story, and it's a very I think when you're I remember being small and being tired and warm in bed and having a story read, and it's such an important, lovely moment that I'm just sort of delighted that people are buying the book and taking it home and and sitting down to read it, and I'm that that's what that's what I'd hoped it would be and what I wrote it to be was um was for that that moment. So I'm I, I'm just hope people will keep doing that with it. I just want, I was, I wanted to ask Landis, and you don't have to, you don't have to say, but is, is there a reason why he's called Watson in the book? Or is that <laughs> a, if that's a secret, you don't have to tell us.
0: No, it's not, I mean, I, uh, I, I was a big Sherlock Holmes fan growing, growing up. And I mean, it, it, uh, I went through a few different names, but that was the, mm. the one I liked best. Um, there, there were other people on the, on the team that liked other names, but um fortunately my my editor she agreed with me and liked that one best too so
2: okay right
0: but yeah there there is is
2: that's what i thought i i I immediately thought of holmes and watson okay good good
0: (laughs) 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 well before we end
1: today landis and tom how would you each like to sign the guest book landis would you like to take this one first uh
0: yeah, I'm not quite sure what what I've been thinking about you this like since to, you,
1: I thought you would like to leave us with.
0: Um, I guess I'd say, uh, don't don't be afraid to pursue or, or whatever th- whatever things interest you. Keep pursuing them, re- regardless of what uh, whether you see any um, benefit fr- from it or or practical benefit. Maybe that's a better way of putting it, uh, right. because at least I I feel like especially with all the creative people I. Uh, I'm friends with and with my own work it's it's the things you pursue that don't have any purpose other than it makes you happy or that you're intrigued by it and you can't explain it that ultimately lead to um the the best things in your life so oh. yeah yeah
1: now they gotta compete and try to top
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's tough um I I I guess I think you you can see stories like like mine and Landis's as the beginning of something, right? There's 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 all these things in in Landis's book, like there's a tower, and we never find out what's going on inside the tower, or we don't find out that much about the amazing creatures who are there. Uh, and in my book, I wanted to have lots of loose ends that that could be the beginning of. Of not my story, but but the imaginary story of of the reader, and I I like to try and leave things open so kids can imagine their own story. So I suppose it's you know you can see these books as uh, finishing these books as as being the beginning of of some other new story.
1: Wow that's that's both lovely thoughts thank you and thank you both for joining me today on the guest book podcast and i look forward to um seeing some of the uh, new work you guys talked about
2: thanks so much it's been fun thank you